Hour 2 of the Friday Rush, maybe the most anticipated segment of the entire day where we get to ask a Texas fan anything. The Texas fan is Kevin Miller. He's an employee at Brown O'Haver here in Moore, 1901 North Moore Avenue. He's also the co-host of the Boomer Bevo podcast along with John Whitson. I highly recommend that you go uh, subscribe and download that podcast, Boomer Bevo podcast. They talk exclusively about the OU-Texas rivalry, which is really, really cool. All right, Kevin, so one request for me. Do not bow down to OU fans here. I want you to act like your normal Texas fan self with all of these questions. We good there? Okay. good. Um, I'm going to start off with a question, and then Travis is going to get to a question, and then we've got a lot of questions on the text line, which if you want to ask a Texas fan anything, 405-651-3439. Here's my question for you, Kevin. Because uh, I've had plenty of interactions with you. I think that you're a, a very nice guy. Um, you seem like somewhat of a sane guy for being a UT fan. I'm pretty reasonable. I can be reasonable. But you're a Texas fan that lives in Oklahoma. Correct. And the thought process of this particular team drastically changes when you get outside the state's borders. How is it being a Texas fan in Oklahoma where you listen to people nationally and they say, this offense is going to be really good. Texas got a chance this year to win the Big 12, maybe do even more than that. But around here in Oklahoma, you work with guys like John, you hear from other people that say, Kevin, shut up, what are you talking about? Texas is going to suck this year, just like they have the past 10 years. Yeah, there's no love, no matter what happens, no matter how good we get, no matter how good we look in the offseason, the preseason, whatever, it's always, you guys are going to suck, you're not going to do anything, so... I've actually gotten used to it. I've gotten used to it. You've gotten used to sucking? Well, yes. <laughs> yes, but no matter what, we're not going to get credit for anything. If we beat OU in the Red River shootout, it was a fluke. OU didn't show up. Wow. So, okay. you know how it goes. All right. Travis. That's okay. I, I fully expected this, though. So, nothing, okay. no All surprises. Good. All good. Travis, what's your uh, Ask Texas Fan Anything question? All right, uh, got to got to get it off my uh, off my chest and off my Twitter feed. Uh, first things first. So, how? Well, give me your honest opinion on Arch Manning, the prospect. You know, I think Arch is a great prospect. Now, is he the number one quarterback in the country? Who knows? Who knows? All I know is he went to the same school that his uncles went to, and they were the top prospects. Uh, the two of the top quarterback prospects. And the nation, when they came out, and they had plenty of success. So I know it's easy to say, oh, small school, play against bad competition, they're not any good. But, hey, I don't think guys should get dropped in the rankings just because they play against poor competition. That's what I think. So you're an arch believer then. Is I am. To follow up, I guess, in the same, do you have any concern that he doesn't want to go to Elite 11, that he doesn't want to play on seven on sevens? Uh, do you have any concern that, given his competition, and now in 2022, that's different than what his uncles went through? But now we have opportunity to, you know, go out and develop from, you know, seven and sevens, lead elevens, all the kind of stuff like that that maybe they didn't have the, you know, opportunity to do. Does that give you any uh, uh, any worries? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. And we're not relying on him to come in and play right away. So I think he'll have time to develop. And I trust Steve Sarkeesian, not necessarily as a head coach right now, but I do, I do um, believe in him as a quarterback developer. So I think he'll come in, 
He doesn't have to play right away. I don't expect unless Quinn Ewers transfers. I don't think that'll happen. I think when it will be the start of this year and next year. I don't think we'll see uh, Arch on the field until 2024. All right, a lot of uh, texts coming in. This one just rolled in from the 580. It says, my only question for a Texas fan is, why? (laughs) I grew up there, man. You know, I tell my wife, who's a a Sooner alum, that if I'd have grown up here, I probably would have been Boomer Sooner all the way. But I grew up in San Antonio, an hour away from the campus, so... That's what it is. Uh, this question says, does constantly being reminded that Kansas was the superior team in 2021 bother Texas fans anymore? You know, I've gotten used to hearing it, and it sucks, but it, it is what it is. You lose to Kansas, that's what you get. This text says, do Texas boosters submit their starting lineup Friday night or Saturday morning before the game? You know, it may start earlier than that. It might be before Sark's press conference. They just slide it to him and say, hey, this is who's going this week. Ask the Texas fan, who is Texas coach in 2023? Steve Sarkeesian. You, you like, sure wait, on that? Yeah. Wait, hold on. So Kevin is a big – he's a Sarkeesian guy. You like Sark. I do like Sark. And I've beaten you up about that because I don't think that Sark has demonstrated a high level of head coaching ability at USC or Washington. Why, why do you believe in Sark so much? Well, I mean, again, I just said I don't know if I believe in him fully as a head coach, but I do believe in him as a developer of quarterbacks and an offensive coordinator. But I don't think he's not going to be the head coach in 2023. Another 5-7 and seven season? That's different. I just don't expect him to go five. He, he'll be the head coach in 2023. He's got Arch committed. Yeah. And everything base, is based on this 2023 class around Arch. Mm-hmm. I, I do agree. Sark will be the guy in 23. 24? Yeah. Uh, that's when it gets a little bit more shaky, it's right? It's dicey then. Jim in Arlington says, ask a Texas fan anything. Although you'll never say it publicly, do you secretly envy Oklahoma's football's overall success compared to your own in the previous 22 years? I wouldn't say 22 years. The last 10, maybe something there. You wouldn't do it in the overall 22? No. I, so I'm, it's I'm, been I'm one fine. national championship to one national championship. OU had the 03, the 04, the 08 appearance, and Texas had the 09 title game experience, and all the Big 12 titles. You wouldn't you wouldn't take that? No, I'm good with what we did in the 2000s. Wow. Okay with that. <laughs> what yeah. do you think, John? Typical Texas. <laughs> no, I'm good with what we did in the 2000s. Hey, well, first of all, in the 2000, it, I am a believer in the fact that I think Texas needs to be good for OU to be good. And I think that's true going into the SEC. It makes Auburn, Alabama thrives on beating a good Auburn team. Yeah. I think Oklahoma would thrive on beating a good Texas team. But you can't tell me you wouldn't trade places with OU the previous 22 years if he could. You, you have to. There's maybe. like five and seven years in there, maybe. maybe. The, the last 10 or the last anything since 2009. Or 2010 and forward, yes. The 2000s? I would even take, like, God, I, I understand Texas has gone to a national championship game more recently, but the crap that's followed since then, I think I would still take OU's with Texas having been to a national championship more recently. I don't know, man. I'm good with the 2000s. Travis, what, what am I then, missing though. here? Well, Travis, what am I missing here? Give another question if you have one. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It, I think the 2000s, while they were really good for Texas, they were really good for OU, too. I mean, so I think the drop-off, I think the difference, if you were to average everything together, I mean, OU has had more success in the last 22 years. I mean, that's not that's not necessarily even debatable. Um, but, I, you know, the I guess my question is simply, is Texas back? Is it is it a situation where – 
We've seen head coaches come in and fail. Tom Herman had the back-to-back number three classes. He got ran out of town. Charlie Strong got ran out of town. Is it a do you do you subscribe to the belief that it's just been a head coaching issue that Texas has dealt with for the last decade, or do you think whoever's at the helm, the boosters, the presidents, everybody has to back off a bit so so the culture can kind of fix itself because. Um, it feels like Sark might get run out of town just the same uh, as we saw with Herman and Strong. Well, I feel like the difference between Texas and Oklahoma is the alignment. You know, behind the scenes, it always seems like Oklahoma, they just have everything in order, from the president to the AD to the coaching staff, everything is just in line. Everything seems a little bit misaligned at Texas. It was fine in the 2000s. Ever since then, it's kind of fallen apart. I feel like they're headed back towards getting things aligned. I like their athletic director. Chris Del Conte, I think he's done an amazing job. He's done a good job in hiring coaches so far. So it seems to be stabilizing, but, I mean, you have to prove it on the field. So until they do that, I mean, nothing really matters. Here's my question with Texas, too, and it's not really a question. I guess it's more of a statement is, yeah, Texas won the Sugar Bowl in the 2018 year, and Texas is allowed to have a good season. Texas might have a good season this year. I don't necessarily think that they're going to win a Sugar Bowl but, Kevin, I don't think that that place can handle any success, man. I think that they can have a good year, but good year to me is not Texas being back. I'm looking at sustained success. And can that program have sustained success without thinking if they win one big game that, oh, my God, they're back? Like I, I think that there's this urgency to just claim that you're back, that if you just have one big win, it's just proclaiming, oh, we're back, everything's good now, when it's not. Well, you know, I don't, I don't feel like – the majority of the fan base thinks that. I mean, that was Sam Ellinger getting caught up in a moment after winning the Sugar Bowl, after so many years of failure, because he's a fan, right? But overall, I feel like, like you said, it's going to take years of sustained success before you ever hear me say, oh, we're back. We're back. Winning one bowl game against Georgia doesn't mean that we're back. It's got to be consistent. So even after that, as happy as I was, I wasn't out you know, yeah. running through the streets saying we're back. We're talking to Kevin Miller. He's an employee here at uh, Brown O'Haver, 1901 Northmore Avenue. He's also the co-host of the Boomer Bevo podcast. That's a podcast dedicated to the greatest rivalry in all of collegiate sports, OU in Texas. John Whitson's with us. He's the uh, OU side of that podcast. Um, let me ask you this. So we feel strongly about Brent Venables around here. Yeah. I'm sure that you've noticed living in Oklahoma. We think that he's going to win a national championship. We think that he's going to have a great year this year. We think Brent Venables is, you know, probably going to be listed in the same tier as Bob Stoops, Bud Wilkinson, Barry Switzer. I mean, in that in that core of guys. Do you, the Texas fan, think that we're way off on this? That we're the, the hype is way too strong on this guy? Or are you sitting there as a Texas fan saying, uh-oh, I think they got this higher right? You know, it's hard to say. I think you guys... I think part of your excitement is your disdain for Lincoln Riley and getting somebody back who's part of the family. It's like, hey, this guy's one of us. We're happy. The other guy didn't want to be here. Forget him. This guy's back. So everything is good. I think he could be just as successful, but I'm saying pump the brakes a little bit until you see it. Wow. Now, listen, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying it won't happen. But let's just – Wow, Travis, pump the brakes is what we're hearing over here from the Texas fan. That's ironic. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I thought they were the I thought they were they were the uh, tribe of of no brakes. Uh, so that seems interesting. I thought it was all gas, no brakes. I guess that's just for them. Um, but I think when it comes to the you know the BV hire, 
if we just put the if we just put it up, hey, Sark versus BV. On one hand, would you rather have a coach that has proven to be mediocre as a head coach, or would you rather have a coach that hasn't been a coach before that you don't know the results of? You know what I mean? It's kind of like uh, you know what's in the box, right? You know, deal or no deal. Hey, I've got this coach. He's going to be about a 500 option, but, he, you know, a little over that, but he's not going to be worse. Or would you like what's in the box? Well, you know, I'm going to take the box at Oklahoma. Uh, but, but yeah, I think the the pump the brakes, I totally get it. There's a lot new, a lot new. But with Brent Venables being able to pull this staff together, I mean, I, I, I think it's I think it's a different challenge compared to other first-time head coaches. Um how how uh, how soon do you think uh, it is before a starter at quarterback is named? That's and my who question. Do you think it's gonna, and who do you think it's going to be? Okay, I think the starter will be named within the next week, and I think it'll be Quinn Ewers. Yeah, definitely it'll be Quinn Ewers. Yeah, too much talent. And I, I I get annoyed that Sark's selling a quarterback battle down there. Yeah, there is not a quarterback battle. Kyler Murray and Tanner Mordecai. Well, I think that uh, Austin Kendall might play week yeah. one along Kyler Murray. Get out of here with that. <laughs> All right, you? some uh, some quick hitter questions right here before we get you out of here. Are you embarrassed that horns down is a penalty and it's become such a big deal? You know, it annoys me. Um, I don't care, especially during the Red River shootout. Like, seriously, who cares? I just think it's weird when I see, when I'm watching OU play, you know, the likes of Iowa State and half the crowd is throwing the horns down. <laughs> I'll, I'll never get over that. Most hated OU football player? Uh, Baker Mayfield. Okay, yeah, that's acceptable. That's actually acceptable. Also, over real quick, Quentin Griffin, too, he was really good, but he just destroyed us in the Five touchdowns in the 2000 game. Yeah, yeah. And, then and, then the, and in the 2002 game where he picks up the fumble and runs it in. Oh, God. And, he's, and you know what's crazy about that is he's probably the most likable player that's ever been on either one of our two teams. Yeah, it's nothing personal. Yeah. But, yeah, oh my you see him, tell him I'm still upset. Texas going heavy on NIL like they are. Like it, love it, hate it. I love it. I love it for the players. I feel like, you know, you have an opportunity to cash in on your talent. You should do it. I don't, can't tell anybody not to earn money. So, Travis, I'll let you have the uh, last question here. One last question with uh, Ask a Texas Fan Anything as Kevin Miller joins us. All right. Um, change one outcome uh, of, from last year's uh, schedule. Would you rather have beat OU or beat Kansas? This is a good question. Oh, OU. Yeah. Really? Yes. But the Kansas game, well, the OU game's going to live on forever, too. We're not going to let you forget about that. 5 7 uh, was Texas Day this year, and 7 28 was OU Texas Day this year. Man, that's t- that's tough because both games. I mean, you're going to be hearing about that for the next ten years. I can't stand losing to Texas. It would be a if I could change to Texas every year. I can't. I can't stand losing to Texas. So I understand that. And it's not just that it happened. It's, it's how it happened. It's how it happened. How, how did it happen again? I, I can't remember. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that's what we've been what saying about Lincoln Riley, and everybody's <laughs> telling us to calm down. Yeah. We've been saying that it's not that it happened. It's how it happened, and we keep on getting made fun of. What's going on here? Kevin, you are a uh, very good sport. Appreciate you, man. Hey, I'm here anytime. There you go. Boomer Bevo Podcast. He's the uh, Texas side of that podcast. Go download that. It's uh, it's really good stuff. All right, we will uh, roll on next with the Friday Rush. Day one of practice is complete. What are the major storylines for OU going into this camp? We'll run those down coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of the Friday Rush. Tyler McComas alongside uh, two good friends of mine, Travis Davidson. He's live at Ashtagar Bar in Tulsa. 
4205 South Sheridan. And we actually got a really cool text as John Whitson is sitting in with me today. It says, texting in from Southern California, longtime listener, lost our home in a fire a couple of months ago. I just contacted Brown O'Haver, and although they don't service California, they are connecting me with people in my region that can help. Pretty cool. That's awesome, man. I know Alice was on that. You were on that. But helping out someone in the state of California, that's that's cool, man. Alice is on the board of directors for our national association. Um, She's, in fact, the treasurer, and she's very proud of that work. But it allows her to meet public adjusters all across the country. So she's got very good relationships in all 50 states especially in California where there's a there's a large contingent of public adjusters. But it's pretty funny because I texted her and I said, hey, this guy called in. You need to call him. And so she says she texted me and she said, I just spoke to Justin, got him set up. And then I said, hey, thanks a lot for doing that. And she writes back. He was so cute. He was back. At his, <laughs> he was back in his car listening to you guys and didn't want to be interrupted. Is that uh, awesome? So that, Justin, nah, you're, the, cool. you're the man, dude. That's cool. You yeah. made us all happy. Sorry about your home, dude. That's yeah, that's, that's, that's rough. But I um, appreciate you listening, Justin. And uh, I know whoever Brad O'Haver put you in contact with, they're, they're going to help you out. They're, they're good people for sure. Travis, uh, first, tell us what's going on at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa. And tell me if the top camp storylines for OU are this on the offensive side. Offensive line progression. Running back number two, and then who's going to be your number one wide receiver? Well, we're here at uh, Ash Cigar Bar at 42nd and Sheridan uh, in Tulsa. My boy Hunter just walked in, so uh, we got some Sooner fans in the house. So, uh, anyways, uh, $3 domestic drafts, very, very comfortable here. Uh, nice way to start your Friday, uh, your early weekend. Uh, uh, start your happy hour. So as far as offensive questions, uh, I do agree. Uh, offensive line, kind of how how does that shake out? I think we all kind of know who's in the potential starter roles, but you know how can they how can they develop depth and how can they elevate their play um, now with a different offense? Um, but at, but I think an underrated one, obviously running back, wide receiver, underrated is who's who's QB two. I mean we've yeah. got. A laundry list of names. We got six guys in that room, you know, sure. and you know, brought in a couple guys. You know, it's we've got you know anything from true freshmen to walk on to to you know guy that played in a power or in a uh, New Year's Six Bowl. You know, it's uh, we've really got a, a mixed bag there. So I'm really interested to see uh, who who uh, emerges as QB two as well. Yeah, I, the the biggest question is the offensive line. I've literally said it the entire offseason. People are probably tired of hearing it by now. But the offense is going to go this year as the offensive line goes. John, if this offensive line is, is good and they're physical and they can run the football, I think we could potentially be talking about one of the better offenses in college football this year. Um, uh, but I, if the offensive line struggles, it's going to be an issue. I think that Bedenboe is able to get back to what Bedenboe does well which is developed strong, tough offensive lines with downfield, you know, with, with strong, aggressive blocking schemes. And I think he's going to be able to do that in Levy's offense. And I also think we've talked about it a lot this hour, having Schmitty on the uh, strength and conditioning and conditioning those guys for what they're going to experience in the trenches. I think the offensive line is going to be fine. I am not worried about what Bill Beatonbow and Schmitty are going to do with the offensive line. For me, it's the running back. Yeah. Because 
I don't think – I am not excited if Eric Gray is our number one back. Really? I'm, I, I did the stats the other day on, on the Boomer Bevo podcast. Please listen wherever you get your podcast. And Eric, Eric Gray averaged five yards a carry, which is pretty good. I'm not, that's great. He only had two touchdowns last year. Two touchdowns with as many times as he touched the ball. Now, was that the offensive line? Was that Lincoln Riley's play calling? I, I don't know. Was that decisions that were made in the red zone, not giving him the ball? I don't know. Two touchdowns does not make me excited. I got to tell you, I'm really curious to see how Ventavious Thompson's going to fit in here. Because you look at that's, his stats. That's a wild card. <laughs> it's a wild card. But you, he averaged over six yards a carry. Over six yards a carry and no fumbles in his career. Levy knows what he's getting. Dylan Gabriel trusts him. He's had a year off, so he's got fresh legs. They're not bringing him in just to be nice to the guy. Yeah. I think he's a real option at, at running back, and I'm excited to see what happens. Let me ask you this, though, in terms of Eric Gray and the only two touchdowns. You like Marvin Mims going into this year? You think he's going to have a good year? Oh, no. I, I know where you're going with yeah, this. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think anyone. What you're saying is Lincoln Riley was a terrible offensive coordinator, and we have nowhere to go but up. And I agree with <laughs> yeah, you. Basically, I agree basically, with you. Basically, yeah. But Marcus Major, and Marcus Major, more than anything, to me, has a bigger upside than Eric Gray. And I just want to see. Well, Javante Barnes may have the most upside out of anyone there. I'm just not. I, I'm not sailing on Eric Gray just yet because nobody's numbers offensively were 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 good last year. And in fact, Travis, I, I may be totally off base with this, and it could totally turn out to be a different story with one of the guys that John mentioned. Yes, Marcus Major is going to be in the mix. Tawie Walker. We saw him during the spring game. He looked good. But I, I guess I'm of the opinion that it's going to be Eric Gray 1 and Javante Barnes 2 going into the season. That can obviously shake a little bit differently, but that's kind of where I'm at going into, the, going into training camp. Yeah, I will, uh, I will take all the Eric Gray stock that John is apparently selling. Uh, I will buy all of that up because here's the thing. Eric Gray was running behind an offensive line that couldn't get the push um, that, that a lot of people had hoped for. Sure, he only had the two touchdowns, but I think, I, I guess I'm not a big, um, touchdown watcher, if you will. It, yeah, if you get, if you get the balls early in the drive, then, you know, you can set up that, you know, the vulture touchdown. If you've got five touchdowns, but you're averaging three yards a carry, or you're only getting, you know, 15 carries a, you know, a season or something like that, you know, that's one thing. Eric Gray, you know, he was, the guy that got them down there a lot of the times, averaging uh, that 5.3 yards per carry. But also, he's like a boxer that that you taped one hand behind his back and then expected him to go out there and, and win boxing matches. This guy was the number three overall uh, all-purpose back when he came out of high school, and Lincoln Riley forgot that you're allowed to throw the ball to your wide receivers. And that was really an issue uh, for me. I mean, 23 receptions is insane. I think he finishes with closer to 40 this year, doubling that mark. Um, and, and and I think that's what really hamstrung Eric Gray. Like I said, obviously the offensive line issues. Um, as far as Marcus Major, I think he's got I think he's got upside, but he's been here 2019, 2020, 2021, and 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 we're still waiting to kind of kind of see it all come together for him um obviously there was injuries and then he had the uh um the unfortunate uh, eligibility thing that was about a dropped class he didn't mean to drop a class you know what have you but um it's a situation where i mean he's he's, he's going into year four um so if it's if it's not now then i'm not sure uh 
I'm not sure when it's going to be, but I'm I'm all in on Eric Gray. Um, from the comments from from Levy at Media Days, he you know it sounds like it's Eric Gray's room. Um, and uh, I'm big on Javante Barnes. I think I think when it, when it comes down to it, I think your snap order um, is going to be Eric Gray most amount, and then uh, Javante Barnes number two. But I am interested in some Tawi Walker. Give me some Tawi Walker. I think he could be a lot of that kind of second half. Uh, kind of Ramondre Stevenson lean on some tired uh, linebackers uh, there in the second half. Travis, I hope I'm as wrong about Eric Gray as I am about recruiting. But listen, <laughs> here. But but Kennedy Brooks and I will make the argument that Lincoln Riley doesn't even like Kennedy Brooks. He he gave him the ball begrudgingly because he had to. But a lo- with that same offensive line that was getting no push, Kennedy Brooks averaged 6.3 yards a carry and got 13 touchdowns. And I, I, I think it was an almost 50-50 split. I don't think you could say Kennedy Brooks was the featured back in that situation. That's all I'm getting at is I think that there, I am not sold, I am not sold on, on Eric Gray. I'm not, yeah, I don't well, know I mean, if selling my, I don't know if selling my stock is the right word. But I just am waiting to see if there are other options. For Clavy, uh, Kennedy Brooks had 198 attempts, and Eric Gray had 78. So it was a, it was a little bit more. Yeah, there was. You're right. Double the deal. But still, he had more than double the touchdowns, though, too. 13 touchdowns. Yeah, two. and again, yeah. I, I, think, I, think the, I think the touchdowns is going to be where, you're, where, you, where you land on the field, right? Like, it's, if somebody's getting me – you know, a bunch of touchdowns. I mean, Blake Bell had, had you know, an incredible amount of rushing touchdowns just based on size and goal line. You've got to have those guys, of course. And maybe Eric Gray isn't your goal line back. Maybe he's not your between the tackles, pound it. I, I totally get it. But I think in Levy's offense, Levy's offense actually had struggled at Ole Miss. The only thing Levy's offense struggled with was red zone production. So maybe that's a situation where, hey, you know, it could be Marcus Major, Tawi Walker, or, or, or Ben Tavius. Any of those guys is more of your goal line stuff. But I mean, Pirine was a was a was a goal line back. Mixon wasn't, but Mixon played in a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it's very much. And I'm not comparing Eric Gray to Mixon. I totally get that. But you have different running backs for different roles, and I think Eric Gray in space is able to do more than anybody else, maybe outside of Gavin Sawchuk, because apparently that guy is uh, fast as lightning. So, But, I, yeah, I think I, I, I think that's I why I'm not be. as crazy about the touchdown number. I wouldn't be totally shocked if Eric Gray's not your number one back. I, I adamantly believe he's your number one back now. I think if you had to play a game tomorrow, Saturday, Eric Gray's getting your first carry. He's going to get the majority of the reps. But, guys, I, we, we've seen before – where the projected leading rusher going into a year, it didn't work out that way. Now, sometimes it's because of injuries, but let's use 2017 as an example. Rodney Anderson was a complete afterthought going into the Texas game that year. He had a pretty good game, and they started giving him more and more opportunities, and he ended up being the leading rusher that year and one of the best backs in college football. 2018, thought Rodney Anderson was going to be the best back in all the college football. He gets hurt early in the year, and that's when Kennedy Brooks really started to uh, kind of make his uh, kind of make his hay here at OU. So I wouldn't be totally shocked if Eric Gray's not the guy. And if it's not Eric Gray, I think it would probably have to be Javante Barnes, the true freshman, that ends up being the guy. Anyone down with that, or is, is anyone else buying the Marcus Major hype? Because I, I think Marcus Major can have a role in this team. I just don't think the role's going to be the, the I, number one running back. I, I agree with Travis that 
we haven't seen it yet for Marcus Major, and so that indicates that we're probably not going to see it for Marcus Major. But just like every OU fan, I'm rooting for this kid. I, I don't know, local product, whatever the case may be, or you just look at the size of him and you think, oh, my God, if this guy could ever figure it out, he's going to be fantastic. If it's Javante Barnes, it means that DeMarco Murray's doing his job, it means that he's recruiting, and it means that he's putting talent on the field. And I would be fired up to see true freshmen contribute in a very high way to this team because I think that's only going to help recruiting. Travis? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there is there is some of that, right? It's you want your freshmen, your young guys to do well because of recruiting. I mean, you get the quote from David Hicks about what A&M is saying to him, and, and he said, yeah, you know, the coaches over there, they're saying their plan for me is to be a freshman All-American, you know, play. I mean, that's what these guys want, right? So much of recruiting is – what can you do for me, and how quickly can you do it for me? Now, with them having five top ten defensive linemen from the 2022 class ahead of them, I'm not sure that's real. I don't, I, I don't know how honest they're being with their plans of him being a, uh, a freshman All-American. Not saying that he doesn't have the talent. He absolutely does. But if, if he's getting enough snaps to be a freshman All-American, uh, the transfer portal is going to be a little bit busy down there in College Station. By the way, uh, before we hit a break, speaking of running backs, um, some of you will remember this guy. Some of you may not, but I think it was around a year ago, maybe. Um, Trey Bradford is no longer on the LSU roster or or enrolled at LSU, Travis. (laughs) Wow. Surprise, surprise. Shocking. Yeah, unbelievable. Trey Bradford, that whole thing a year ago, he leaves and goes back to LSU, and everyone thinks, oh, my God, we're not going to have any running backs for the entire season, and Kenny Brooks was just fine last year. Could have been better at the running game like we're talking about. Oh, maybe, it, 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 wait, wait, maybe if they committed to it, it yeah. could have been great. Maybe they run the one play that Texas couldn't stop at any point in the second half you of the season. You mean the play they ran three times, two of it went for a touchdown, and the other the, went for a long game? Yeah. Oh, it, we'll see it at USC this year. You can oh, bet yeah, on that. In the first half until yeah. he, you know, well, doesn't that's make true. it. Yeah. Uh, one quick point on the offensive line. When they go fast, I think they're going to be really good, man. When they're going up tempo, they're going to catch a defense on their heels. I think a defense is going to have a really tough time getting to the quarterback, stopping the run when OU's going up tempo. But when they're not going up tempo, um, that's when that's that's kind of where my concern with this offensive line is. Can they be as good when they're not going up tempo as they are when they are going up tempo and that defense is on its heels? Because they're not. It's not going to be ninety-five percent of the time they're going fast this year. That's not going to be the case. It's going to be, you know, kind of dictated on what the situation of the game is. So can they be good in both situations? I think they can be good in both situations, but where you're really going to see it is against teams like Oklahoma State and Baylor. I mean, like, let's face it, that's and, – and maybe Nebraska. That'll be the first test where – because I think in every other game, the talent gap, Levy and Venables will exploit the talent gap like it hasn't been exploited over the last two or three years. And so where the talent gap is the smallest, Nebraska, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Kevin, I'm not mentioning Texas, although Texas is probably the talent gap is the same thing there. I think that's where you're going to have to wonder, can we, can we just stand up and muscle? Sure. And I really hope we can. 405-651-3439, Air Coverage Solutions text line. More to come next on the Friday Rush. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Friday Rush, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComish, John Whitson, Travis Davidson with you until 6 p.m. Let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. This one from the 405 says, Coach DeMarco Murray loves Marcus Majors. 
Uh, I'm sure that he does love Marcus Major. He's one of his running backs. But, Travis, I don't see any recent examples as to why Coach Murray, Coach DeMarco, whatever you want to call him, would love Marcus Major so much. Well, I mean, I think, again, to your point, uh, loves all the players. He, you know, uh, has had a good spring, I'm sure. Has had a good summer. I'm sure, given his uh, his body type, I'm sure he has uh, taken very well to being Schmitty built. Um, but, yeah, I think that's where I'm, – I'm just looking at past production, and maybe that's a fool's errand. Um, but, again, going into fourth year, I hope he has success. Um I just, I, I just, I just want to see it come to fruition. That's all. Yeah. Uh, this one, LG Sooner sixty three says, "Sorry, but tight end and fullback passing plays will add so much more to this offense. Hasn't been utilized enough." I, I, I agree with that. Um, and, and we've seen fullbacks be utilized here with Jeremiah Hall and the other guys. Well, look at the first half of the Oklahoma State game. Yeah, fullbacks and fullbacks and tight ends were yeah. used to a major advantage, and then they were completely absent in the second half of the Oklahoma State. Yeah, and, and really since Mark Andrews' Mackey Award winning season in 2017, we've seen the tight end here and there, but not all that much. You know, Stogner, you know, his situation didn't necessarily help that. But, yeah, no, I, I think the tight end's going to be big this year. I think out of all the playmakers that we're going to mention, I think Braden Willis is going to have a big year. And I don't mean a big year that he's going to score, what, five touchdowns, which would probably be the most in his career. I think that he's going to have some numbers next year that could be very similar to what Jeremiah Hall had last year and potentially even more. But, Travis, at the same time, when I talk about the year I think Braden Willis is going to have, I always stop myself and say, okay, am I am I miscounting what Daniel Parker's going to do? I mean, he's a big body that may be used more with the hand in the dirt but he's athletic enough to go make plays down the field. Might Daniel Parker have a bigger impact on this offense in the passing game than we think right now? Yeah, I think I think Daniel Parker is a guy, yeah, he's going to have his hand in the dirt a lot, but I also think that, uh, you know, in run packages, he can split off, catch the ball if he needs to. I mean, he doesn't have bricks for hands, I'll put it that way. Um but he is. I mean, he. I think he listed on his own Twitter bio, number one blocking tight end in the uh, in the country. And his his video that he was putting up always is downfield hitting somebody. So he's a he's a guy that definitely likes contact. Um, I could totally see old weight room Willie, uh, Braden Willis, uh, doubling up his production from a year ago, which would put him essentially exactly on pace uh, for what we saw. Um, out of Jeremiah Hall, so uh, he's kind of uh, you know he he does everything. And looking at his his physique uh, through summer, it looks like he has really been shining in the weight room and really taking a leadership role uh, with those young guys. Obviously, we are uh, a little bit light in that room. Uh, obviously, you've got uh, transfer and Daniel Parker Jr., but you've got freshman Caden Helms in there as well, who's kind of a, a jumbo wide receiver. Um, more so uh, can get downfield. We saw that at Bellevue where he was just running past guys and he was really unguardable there. So uh, it seems like you've kind of got a blocking tight end and then kind of a wide receiving tight end in the in the new side. But I think uh, Braden Willis kind of combines those two. I think he's going to have uh, a nice year, probably a tick better than what we saw out of uh, Jeremiah Hall last year. Lane in California says, that's awesome, Brown O'Haver, reaching out here to help Southern California. Doesn't surprise me about you Oklahomans, A-plus people. 
It's pretty cool. You got another example of uh, to what Brown O'Haver does? Absolutely. Um, clients, clients, some most of the, the biggest thing that Brown O'Haver can bring to the table is the fact that we handle claims 40 to 50 times a month, uh-huh. where most homeowners will only handle one large loss in their entire life. So the experience that we can bring to reading a policy, understanding a claim, and helping you maximize it is, well, it, it's measurable in the sense that we bring 30 to 40% more to the claim than you would bring on your own, but it's also in some ways immeasurable. But we had one client who didn't quite understand how the cleaning bill worked and how they could get their money this way or get their money that way. So we worked with them on their contents and found that our client's contents belongings had not been processed for cleaning. And we got the vendors to give a cleaning estimate. And instead of having them cleaned, we were able to secure a check for them in excess of $100,000. Wow. So the insurance company was saying, hey, you have to clean this stuff. Hey, you don't actually get the money. You have to use it over here. You have to use it over there. It wasn't the case. We were able to help our clients. And instead of them getting their old clothes cleaned and having to wear their old smelly clothes, whether they were cleaned or not, they got $100,000 awesome. to use however they wanted to use. And again, it just comes from the fact that we know what we're doing when it comes to processing an insurance claim. Call Brown O'Haver, 405 735 Travis is live at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa. We'll tell you more about the great deals they're offering at Ash coming up next. Plus, hey, I've given my season prediction. Travis has as well. John's got to give his before we get out of here today. We'll do a full season preview in the final hour of the Friday Rush. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless hitter fans. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number two of the rush. Tyler McComish, John Woodson, Travis Davidson with you on the Friday rush. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Here's an interesting question. It says, are there any walk-ons or anyone perhaps that we may see some things or progress that aren't big names or hear much of? Basically some unknowns that interest you? Yeah, Travis, for me, it's Gavin Freeman. He is a walk-on. He was a three-star prospect that was committed to Texas Tech on scholarship but decided to walk on at OU instead. Heard Brent Venables mention his name a couple of times. Uh, first off, tell us about Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa and tell me if I'm right for automatically thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, Gavin Freeman's the name that you need to know here. Yeah, I mean, Gavin Freeman – uh, absolutely, as a name to know, blazing speed, absolutely yoked. Um, but, yeah, we're here at Ash Cigar Bars at 42nd and Sheridan in Tulsa. My man Rusty just got here to uh, man the bar. Uh, he's hanging out. So, uh, yeah, Hunter's in the house. We're just uh, hanging out. $3 domestic drafts uh, we're pouring today. That's a heck of a deal. Cool you off on this hot and sunny day, you know, normal you know, heat advisory day as we've gotten used to. Hopefully it cools off a bit by the UTEP game. We'll see. I doubt it. But, yeah, I I mean, when you look at it, uh, Gavin Freeman is a name that jumps out. I'll tell you the name that I like. I've already mentioned Tommy Walker as the walk-on, but Justin Harrington, man. Give me all the Justin Harrington walk-on stock. Uh, I mean, his body, uh, they say his body, his mindset, everything. He's he's telling people he's going to be in the NFL this time next year. So, he has a, a strict plan. He knows what he's after, and he he looks kind of you know like he could be in line for that kind of cheetah role. And if he's up to running that and running it well, uh, he could be a major major contributor uh, to OU success this year. So 
Give me Justin Harrington. The guy left the team last year, John, and he wanted to come back to – I mean, this is his last chance. This is his last year. He wanted to come back on the team this year. He wanted to be a part of all the excitement he's hearing, and Britt Venable said, okay, I'll let you back on the team. But you don't get a scholarship, and I, I don't know if he said you got to change your jersey number, but his jersey number is different. So whereas, you know, I'm not necessarily always rooting for someone that kind of abandons the team – this I, I feel I find myself really rooting for Justin Harrington to have a, a solid year. Oh, are you? It, that's 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 kind of like a sports movie type plot, you know, where the coach says, "Okay, if you want to come back, you got to prove to your team that you want to be here and that you're going to be willing to do all the grunt work and all that sort of stuff." I love it, and it's it just speaks more to Brent Venables, the myth that is Brent Venables right now, right? We're, we're, we we haven't had the reality, so we're kind of dealing in myth and. Every story that comes out of camp, if the more that are like that, the, the better it gets every single time. Yeah, I, I'm showing you right now on Soonersports.com. Everyone has their picture by their name, right, uh, in the new suit and tie. And then you go down to Justin Harrington, number 37, and there's no picture attached at all. He's like one of the few guys on there that doesn't even have a picture next to his name on Sooner Sports. So, yeah, he, he's got all the measurables, like Travis is saying, to have a really good season. And, man, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him to put it all together, man. That's, that's for sure. All right, um, I think OU's going 11-1 and this year. Travis Davidson thinks OU is going 11-1 and this year. So you got about three, four minutes to come up with what your season prediction is going to be, John. I, so no pressure. Okay. Am I going? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minutes. We got to wait. We, we're doing at the top oh, of five o'clock right. hour. Let's do it. Um, I just want to see where you're at, and then we kind of got to gauge what we expect out of this team this year, what the concern level is. We're t- 29 days away from kickoff. I mean, come on. Practice number one at training camp is already in the books. We got to get it going talking about this team heading into the season. All right, final hour of the Friday rush is next. Keep it locked to the ref.